Welcome to Inspiring Change from Ocali, our monthly forum of stories and connections from our ongoing work of inspiring change and promoting access for people with disabilities. I'm Simon Buer. Uh, we're down like in Oregonia, which is close to Lebanon, Ohio. Okay, so, so this was a little about bit. About an hour and a half. Yeah, a little bit of a trip for you. Yeah, but it was worth it because we don't take her to any local festivals or anything. We wanted to try something like this first. So when we saw this, we jumped on it. Oh, so. that's awesome. And it's worked pretty well. Oh, so wonderful. Far. Yeah, like I said, it's her first time out in a big outing like this. She's nonverbal and she's just loving it. Uh, how was. How was your day going so far? Uh, great. He's loving the rides and um, the no sounds and like the music and stuff has really helped. Has it really? It has. Yeah. It's made a big difference. Do you yep. do a lot of events like these? No, this is her actual first time. Wow. She's never done anything like this. Wow. I'd rather stuff my face than go on rides <laughs> and I only have so much money. The Ohio State Fair is one of the largest state fairs in the nation. It happens every summer in late July, early August at the sprawling Ohio Expo Center in Columbus. It lasts 12 days. It costs around $10 for adults and $8 for kids, though there are all kinds of discounts and coupons if you just search around a bit. It's $5 to park your car and $25 for an all-day ride wristband. There's a concert each night, and they start at free, and they go up to something like $65 for Toby Keith. But he's probably worth it. A few more numbers for you. The 2019 edition was the 166th Ohio State Fair. The first one was held in 1850, and there have been a few fairs canceled over the years because of war or other factors. Over 930,000 human beings attended the 2019 Ohio State Fair. Numbers aside, like all state fairs, the Ohio State Fair is filled to the brim with people and events and happenings. There are thousands of hardworking, passionate, and dedicated kids and teens showcasing livestock or artwork and demonstrating their knowledge skills, and leadership qualities. There's the midway, filled with a wide assortment of rides that will spin, flip, or drop you, and numerous games of chance. Those also cost extra, by the way. But go ahead, try your luck. There are musicians, artists, dancers, magicians, comedians, and other entertainers performing throughout the day. There's a life-size cow sculpted out of butter. There's a human cannonball and a 14-foot-tall animatronic smoky bear. Hello, how are you? It's going to be a great picture. Great deal. Thanks, Thank Smokey. Got it. We got a good picture. And of course, the food. So much food. Everywhere you look. Much of it 
like deep fried corn on the cob, pickle popsicles, or a grasshopper funnel cake, you're only going to eat at the fair. And thousands upon thousands of fellow fairgoers, from the new ones who aren't really sure where to park, to the ones who return year after year, sometimes traveling hundreds of miles to reconnect with family and friends and bathe in the warm stories and nostalgia of past fairs, while generating new memories and experiences. So you've got this fantastic mix of history, novelty, tradition, and legacy, with a few new faces and features every year. It's the State Fair, one of those classic and increasingly rare offerings, a great institution that provides something for everyone. Well, almost everyone. This is my stepdaughter, Michaela. She is 22. Do you do a lot of events like these? No, this is her actual first time. She's never done anything like this. Wow. That's Rachel Stark. She's the stepmother to Michaela. As Rachel said, this was Michaela's first time attending any kind of fair or festival. She's 22 years old. And we've got her on merry-go-round and the sky lift across the fair, and she's loving it and having a good time, and we're just enjoying ourselves. So you can tell she's like checking everything out, but she's loving it and having a good time, clapping and laughing every once in a Staying while. Staying cool. Yep. Yeah. And that's why we came in the quiet room. Michaela is nonverbal, so she doesn't talk very much or at all. But that doesn't mean she doesn't communicate or understand. And that certainly doesn't mean she can't enjoy the fair. Even the people on the ride have been very patient with her, helping her in and off. And everybody's been very nice talking to her. And I think it went very well. So it sounds like Michaela had a great day at the fair. But again, this was the first time she ever attended the state fair, or any fair for that matter. Why is that? Well, as we've already said, the fair is big. It's huge. There's a lot going on. And for many people, it's simply too much. Yep, that sounds familiar. It's a little taste of the fair. You've got all your classic sounds of the fair. The midway rides, the calliope, a siren for some reason. The carnival barker. Sorry, I did read the preferred nomenclature is talker. Carnival talker. If you close your eyes for a sec, it feels like you're there. Right? Roller skates! Oh, no! Now for some of us, this sounds like fun. Yeah, for sure. A summer day at the state fair. But for others... It's a no-holds-barred, in-your-face, up-your-nose, down-your-ears, full-on sensory assault. Pressing in on you from every single direction. And this is what that same midway of the 166th edition of the Ohio State Fair sounds like during the sensory-friendly morning held on Wednesday, July 31st. It sounds like a different event, right? But it's not. It's the same fair, just turned down a bit. The Ohio State Fair is hosting its very first sensory-friendly morning today from 10 to 1. 
And it's exactly that. It's an opportunity for people to come out and enjoy the fair um, with a different type of setting to support those who have different sensory needs. Sensory friendly morning is something that we wanted to do just to make the fair a little friendlier. You know, if it's a simple thing like turning down the lights and sounds, just to make the fair a little more inclusive and, and accessible. That's Alicia Schultz. She's the marketing and PR director of the Ohio Expo Center and State Fair. Before that, we heard from my colleague Jen Bavery. She's the program director of the Family and Community Outreach Center at Ocali. We'll hear more from Jen in a minute. But while I had Alicia's ear, I really wanted to press the issue of making the fair a sensory-friendly experience. Fairs in general are kind of like sensory overload experiences, right? There's the sights, the sounds, the smells, the heat, the people. So walk me through like that process of like how do you dial back the fair? That's a very good question. I mean, it is a challenge because like you mentioned, there are many things going on at the fair every single day. And, um, you know, when we thought about doing this, we had met with some other fairs that have had similar programs in the past. And we wanted to see what it was that they had done and how we could implement something here at the Ohio State Fair. And we were at a board meeting and I mentioned this and um, Angela Cryle, who is on our board, shared that she worked with Ocali and they would be a wonderful resource. And so that kind of began our relationship in the steps toward how is it that we can actually dial back the fair. Because as much as this is something that we would like to do, I'm not an expert in this area, but Ocali are the experts in this area. So that's our connection to this. That's how Ocali got involved. And the idea isn't a new one. As Alicia mentions, other state fairs across the country have offered sensory-friendly hours and features for the past few years. And you've probably already heard about or even experienced sensory-friendly movies, for example. Those have also been going on for years. They turn down the movie volume and turn up the lights in the theater and let kids get up and move around if they need to. It's a relatively simple concept. You modify or turn off the sound and lights, make things a bit quieter and softer. So those who have sensory sensitivities or challenges can be part of something they might not normally be able to experience because it's too loud or too bright or too much. But was it hard to get buy-in for this? I mean, you've got to get a bunch of different people. The ride operators, the performers, the food vendors, those same carnival talkers we mentioned earlier. You've got to get all of them to agree to this. It's not going to work if just a few of them do it. And after you agree to it, then you actually have to do it. Was that difficult? It's amazing because everyone is so supportive of this initiative and we're very fortunate. We have a brand new ride provider this year, Tally Amusements, okay. and they had actually been a part of this at another fair, the State so Fair of Texas. So they knew it. They knew what it was. They, yeah. Exactly. They knew what it was. And so they're very familiar with the process. And, um, you know, we worked with the individuals who manage our grounds entertainment out on the grounds and the band and the choir. We're um, the only fair in the country that has their own youth band and choir. They each have about 200 members and everyone was more than willing to adjust their schedules and make sure that anything that could be a sensory overload is an opt-in, that you would have to try to be a part of these and that we're out on the grounds and you know trying to make everything just toned down a little bit. So we got the buy-in from all the key partners and players. Then it was just a matter of letting everybody know, hey, we're doing this. Come to the fair. Here's Angela Kreil. She's vice chair of the Ohio Expositions Commission. 
I do know, um, you know, from personal experience with taking my niece to Walt Disney World, what a challenge it is. I'm getting teary-eyed. I'm sorry. Um, what a challenge it is for kids who who face those issues to enjoy the things that other kids get to enjoy, and knowing that those kids are going to get sorry get to come to the fair today and have an experience here that they wouldn't other, otherwise get to have is really really great. And, and it's just like everybody else, right? Just like everybody else. Yeah. That's the important thing. So for Angela, her interest in and passion for the sensory-friendly morning was both professional and personal. And when we focus on the barriers and obstacles that can prevent people from participating in something like a state fair, we start to open doors and create opportunities to help people discover and follow their own interests and passions. Here's Alicia again. We realize that crowds are a factor sure. and that you know it's difficult to control the crowds. We don't necessarily know when people are going to attend the fair, but so what we did do was we picked a weekday morning mm -hmm. when crowds are naturally lighter so that we can try to make sure that this experience can be maximized because there's just fewer people on grounds as a whole. You know, this is something where, you know, perhaps a Saturday morning is more convenient for family schedules. Sure. But unfortunately, uh, it's convenient for a lot of family schedules. I've and been here on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. see, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's wall-to-wall -wall people. It is. Yeah. It's, it's packed. And yeah. so we wanted to do this at a time when, you know, you've got a little more room to breathe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As Alicia mentions, the decision to hold the sensory-friendly morning on a Wednesday was a deliberate one. As you might expect, the fair is typically less crowded on a Wednesday. And a smaller crowd is one way to help support a more sensory-friendly experience. We came at t we showed up at 10. You were here right at 10. Yeah. That's Kia Gray. She and her fiancé, Sydney Braverman, showed up right at 10 o'clock when the sensory-friendly morning began. Normally, we'd only really be out here for maybe an hour or two, but like because of the sensory room, I, we can stay longer. And we'll be gone by now, usually, yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, the last fair trip we've done to the ones closer to us, we would hit about an hour, two hours or so, and head out, and this has been awesome. Kia and Sydney mentioned the sensory room, otherwise known as the quiet room, which was one of the special features of the sensory-friendly morning. It was this private, low-light, air-conditioned room, that's important in July, that Jen Bavery and our colleagues outfitted with comfy chairs and little fidget toys and games and some gentle classical music in the background. Oh, and a water cooler. That's also important in July. So the quiet room is a space off to the side in which we've lowered the lights, there is, the sound is down, um, it's a little bit darker in there, there's like cushy seats to sit on, it's just a place to go to to actually just take a break from all of the activities that are happening at the fair. So the quiet room really is just a place for people to go and exactly what it is, have some quiet time. Having some place like this to just go and sit and get away and let my brain reset, and I can go out and have fun again. Good. We've kind of tried to replicate it at other places because they'll have like indoor spaces, but even then they're still typically really busy. There either is Loud, a ton of people echoey. walking around, booths, vendors, yeah, like things echoes. like that, or like like there's an, or it's like you find a bathroom, which yeah. like hanging out that's, in the bathrooms not. <laughs> yeah, that's not, not a sensory great. friendly. Room. Yeah, this is much better. <laughs> yeah, hanging out in a bathroom, not that much fun. But the quiet room. That was one of the features that helped entice Kia to come to the fair. I actually came out today specifically. I hadn't planned on it, but because of a news article in the, uh, from the local paper online, um, one of my friends linked it on Facebook. Cool. And it mentioned they were doing a sensory time frame where they turned down all the lights and the music and that there was going to be a sensory room. And I got really excited about it because 
I haven't had the chance to experience a fair without being having to deal with being overwhelmed and being cranky and just pushing myself generally well beyond my my tolerances yes. <laughs> to, to be able to say, but like, so I'm autistic. Um, I, I, and I, so usually the fair is kind of overwhelming. And, yeah, yeah, I get a little cranky after a while. <laughs> <laughs> Kia mentioned hearing about the Sensory Friendly Morning in a Facebook post. There was a lot of attention in the press ahead of time, including local, state, and national news coverage. So the Sensory Friendly Morning at the fair got a significant amount of publicity. I met Kia in Sydney around 2 p.m., so they had already been at the fair for four hours by the time I caught up with them. They had traveled some 90 miles from Cincinnati, so it had already been a pretty full day by the time we talked. And they were still going. Remember Rachel and Michaela from the beginning of this story? They had also traveled some distance to get to the fair. Are you local? Uh, we're down like in Oregonia, which is close to Lebanon, Ohio. Okay, so, so this was a little about bit. About an hour and a half. Yeah, a little bit of a trip for you. Yeah, but it was worth it because we don't take her to any local festivals or anything. We wanted to try something like this first. So when we saw this, we jumped on it. Oh, so. that's awesome. And it's worked pretty well. Oh, so wonderful. Far. Yeah, like I said, it's her first time out in a big outing like this. She's nonverbal and she's just loving it. He's loving the rides and. Um, the no sounds and like the music and stuff has really helped. Has it really? It has. Yeah. It's made a big difference. Because we tried to do fairs the last few years and this I think is the first time in a couple years we've been able to come out and spend the day out. Because the, even and like we were even talking about like being able to stay a little after when things kicked on since we didn't have to go through the overload and, and craziness of it starting off super loud. So we're thinking we'll hopefully be able to stay a while too which we haven't been able to, to go to a fair and like spend the day there and, and ever. So it seemed like a big success, the sensory-friendly morning at the Ohio State Fair. And the final numbers showed an increase of 15,000 people attending the fair that day, compared to the same day in 2018. Of course, we don't know exactly how many attended because of the sensory-friendly morning, but 15,000 more people for the day? That's a lot. Those who did attend were full of smiles and positive vibes, Everyone I talked to that day was having a good time. Mostly a good time. Hey, you guys want to be on a podcast? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> How's your day so far at the fair? Good. good. It was good, yeah. What'd you do? Um, not much, really. I yeah. just got here. Okay. So the day is still unfolding. Yeah, but I'm about to go eat and buy some stuff. I don't want to get in your way of eating. What are you going to eat? I don't know yet. Okay. There's right. a lot of stuff. There's a lot of options. There are a lot of options. You came to the right place. What's your name? Max. Max, I'm Simon. All right. Nice to meet you, Simon. Uh, nice to meet you, Max. Handshake. Yeah. Go right. enjoy the fair. All right. You too. Besides turning down the sound and lights on the midway and offering the quiet room, Alicia points out that there were other features already built into the Ohio State Fair that are pretty sensory-friendly by their very nature. Speaking of nature, there's the Ohio Department of Natural Resources area. We have a, a beautiful eight-acre natural resources park that's actually a level two arboretum. And, you know, as I've spoken more with all of the experts at Ocali, I've learned how that, that kind of a, an environment is actually naturally sensory calming. The natural resource park is, it's a park. And so it is, um, there's trees everywhere, there's rocks. We're sitting on rocks right We're now. Rocks, We're sitting right? on rocks. There's yeah. water, there's, um, there's birds, there's butterflies, there's a prairie to walk through. 
This is actually just a naturally sensory friendly area. And I mean, you walk through that entrance and like the temperature drops like 10 degrees. It does, like instantly. <laughs> instantly, yeah. <laughs> the ODNR Park is one of the best kept secrets of the fair. On a hot July day, you really understand, in a very sensory friendly way, how trees and shade can make all the difference. The sensory-friendly morning wasn't the only new feature this year designed to make the State Fair more accessible. I spoke with director Kevin Miller of Opportunities for Ohioans with Disabilities about another one of the new offerings at the fair. We're also involved in putting wheelchair charging stations throughout the fairgrounds, and that's a permanent investment. So, And that's the first time this year, right? First time. And so if I'm in a wheelchair and correct. I need to charge up, there are stations throughout the fair where I can go and... And charge yeah. up. And they've put them on the map so you can see those. Mm -hmm. And I think what's, you know, it's great that we're here at the fair and it's kind of a time event like this, but people forget there's 200 plus events year round right. that are here for the general public. So yeah. that means we had a, a gentleman who said, you know, I've wanted to come to a couple concerts, but I was afraid my wheelchair was going to run out of battery juice. Mm -hmm. And so he said, now I can kind of think ahead and go, well, you know what, I can go and do that. As Director Miller mentions, the wheelchair charging stations are a permanent addition to the fairgrounds. There are events held there throughout the year, from concerts to model train shows to Oktoberfest to the Quarter Horse Congress. Now all of these events can take advantage of the charging stations and offer their attendees a little more support for access and independence. Of course, there is always more to think about and do. These are simply steps in an ongoing process. So why did we do this? Why did we invest so many months and hours and bring in so many different people and partners into this endeavor? Why is this important? Here's my colleague Jen Bavery talking among the cicadas in the ODNR Park at the State Fair. Everyone should have the same opportunity to participate in their community and for those opportunities to be a wonderful and meaningful experiences. So it shouldn't be that something needs to change so that you can be there. It should just naturally be happening so that anybody can participate. So really what these collective efforts are all working towards is not to produce something extra, different, or exceptional. We're working towards access and integration that's automatically built in. The default, just how it is. And whatever it is, a fair, a play, a movie, a sporting event, these things will be structured and formatted and built to intrinsically have supports in place that allow everyone to participate. We're not there yet, of course. Not even close. Again, these are steps. We're working towards a day when a sensory-friendly morning at a state fair is not news. It just is. Here's Ocali's executive director, Sean Henry. So that's the ultimate goal, is that this is not a news story. It's when we're not getting coverage. Yeah. And we're at a place where the capacity, they feel comfortable in saying, yeah, we got this. You guys have, have walked us through what needs to be done. So that might be a couple years into it. It might be other partnerships. You know, there's there's other wonderful Central Ohio and state organizations for individuals with disabilities that we probably could bring in that we'd love to, to help support the day. It's going to be about bringing it back to the community. If this was happening in Toledo or Cleveland or Cincinnati, we're going to have to build their community mm -hmm. up to be able to do this. And actually, Jen and I have had some discussions about that happening. Like, why not across the state? You know, you could really almost package the 
the accommodations needed if you had the partnerships to do it locally. Yeah. So it's scalable. It's, it's scalable for sure. Because, of course, you should be able to go to the Ohio State Fair or your local county fair or any fair anywhere. And once you're in the door, you should be able to choose your own path, your own adventure. Maybe touching the udders and milking a cow. Or Is that legal? <laughs> you can do that. You can really do that. Yeah. yeah, we have a milk a cow exhibit every single day where you can really do that. They want to, there's a debate on the rides. You want to do the, we like the slide, you can do the slide. The slide's awesome. Yeah. What's it called? The giant, the giant slide. slide yeah. 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 And then there's, what's that thing over there? That's the Mary there, right? Yeah, there's maybe I'm um, someone make it for a while. Pointing out. We you guys like to see the animals, we did that. Um, well, well we haven't so. seen any because oh, we passed the barn already. <laughs> I'd rather stuff my face than go on rides. And I only have so much money. The 2020 Ohio State Fair runs July 29th through August 9th. Discussions are already happening around expanding the sensory-friendly experience beyond a single day next year, and including more options for making the fair accessible and enjoyable for everyone. Thanks for taking a walk with us through this episode of Inspiring Change from Ocali, our monthly forum of stories and connections from our ongoing work of inspiring change and promoting access for people with disabilities. Join us for our next episode. Yeah, so we're in Warrensville Heights, which is an eastern suburb of Cuyahoga County, so outside of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So we have 22 employers coming to interview about 75 job seekers with uh, different barriers, so that could be developmental disabilities, intellectual disabilities, physical disabilities, uh, some ex-offenders, veterans, things like that. So we try to bring in a broad population of job seekers and really just try to connect job seekers that have the qualifications to businesses that are looking and in need of good employees. We're spending the day at a job fair outside of Cleveland, where we talked with businesses about their hiring needs and job seekers who are eager to fill those needs. Well, actually, I haven't decided between full-time or part-time. Probably full-time. Okay. Uh, on different things such as guest services and food service. And what are you looking for today? What kind of employment? Um, truth be told, any. I have a six-month-old son that I have to take care of, so anyone that will actually allow me to work because I'm a convicted felon. Yeah. yeah, I've been home eight years, okay. so anybody that'll actually allow me to come work for them, I'm blessed to have them. Don't miss it. Subscribe to Inspiring Change wherever you get your podcasts. And if you or someone you know needs an accessible version of this podcast, visit ocali.org slash podcast and click on the link to Inspiring Change. Be sure to also check out Inspiring Conversations, bonus content that includes some of the full interviews from this and other episodes of Inspiring Change. Again, you can find those at ocali.org slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to Inspiring Change because the need for change is everywhere and inspiration 
can come from anywhere. I'm Simon Buer. See you soon.